It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Coming to you on Monday, July 16th. That's just a couple days after the LA Galaxy's 3-2 surprising, crazy, ending, wacky win over the New England Revolution. I'm going to talk a whole bunch about that. Mr. Kevin Baxter uh, should be transitioning back from the World Cup, back from Russia into the United States shortly. He's under the weather, and so we decided to give him a little time off. So perhaps, just maybe, he could rest up and uh, and be better whenever he uh, he comes back to the U.S. and is ready to go for next week. So uh, once again, you're stuck with me on a solo show, but I'll do my best to get you through all the pertinent information as quickly as we can, so that way we understand what's going on as the LA Galaxy get ready to take their second leg of their East Coast road trip. That's right, they'll head back to Philadelphia, Talon Energy Stadium, where the LA Galaxy, of course, will be taking on the Philadelphia Union coming up on uh, Saturday, uh, Saturday, July 21st at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time. That game can be found on Spectrum Sportsnet and Spectrum Deportes. But first, we have to go over the uh, the crazy, wacky, ridiculous ending, the... The, let me let me set the stage for you a little bit for how I watch this game. Uh, my son's in town, so I was over at my parents' house. We were hanging out, we were having dinner, and we had the game on in the background with uh, with the the volume turned down pretty low. But we we're eating, and I was paying attention, obviously, and watching all the different crazy things that had happened in the game. Uh, obviously, you can talk about uh, the early red card for New England. You can talk about it all being evened up with Ash Cole. You can talk about New England scoring two goals shorthanded and uh, and looked like they were bossing the Galaxy around despite the fact that they were shorthanded for most of that game and then the Galaxy scoring two goals in extra time to tie it and then get the go-ahead win. So uh, a bunch of crazy stuff to talk about for sure in this game, but uh, everybody at dinner said, no way are they going to win this game. Yes, they just won this game. And it comes from uh, maybe not unlikely sources, certainly an unlikely source for Dave Romney. Uh, all the defenders' scoring seemed to happen in uh, in preseason and not necessarily uh, in the regular season so far. But Dave Romney gets his first goal of the year, scores that goal, and uh, and gets the tying one. And Chris Pontius with the brace, um, either side of the half, and uh, he continues to be impressive. And his streak now at seven, seven consecutive games. And this is for the guy on uh, Reddit who says that Chris Pontius sucks. Uh, seven consecutive games for Chris Pontius with either a goal or an assist. He now has five goals on the season. Uh, and is doing just fine, by the way. I don't think you have to worry about him uh, in terms of uh, in, in terms of the production the Galaxy are getting out of him right now. So anyway, lots of crazy stuff to talk about in this game. Let's start at the very beginning, where we go when we talk about uh, the starting lineup. No Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Uh, that's that's a little bit surprising. Maybe it's not surprising. Uh, we knew going into this that he probably had an aversion towards playing on plastic fake grass, uh, also known as turf. Um, so it's not totally surprising that he didn't travel and didn't play in the game. Um, it is uh, it, Maybe it's unfortunate for some people in New England who certainly bought tickets just to go see him there. In fact, New England had their highest attended game of the season with Zlatan Ibrahimovic supposedly going to be in town um, where they had, and let's see if I can get the number correct because I don't want to screw it up. Um, they had over 36,000 people, 36,573 people in attendance. Uh, lots of complaining going on by New England fans. Tons of complaining going on by New England. I should put in quotation fans. All right. They obviously went there to see uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic and they didn't see him play. And somebody likened it to the NBA. Uh, saying that uh, in the NBA they rest their stars, and so when did MLS become the NBA? Uh, MLS became the NBA never because they weren't resting Zlatan Ibrahimovic because he was tired from all the games. They were resting him because he doesn't feel safe playing on crappy plastic turf. Only played 18 minutes in Portland, and Siggy Schmidt came out after the game, specifically addressed this reason, and this is the reason. Uh, when asked why Zlatan Ibrahimovic didn't play, he said, and I quote, because of the turf. He'll play on turf when it's the playoffs, but in the regular season, he's probably not going to play on the turf. So Minnesota, Seattle, you're on the clock as knowing that it, unless it's a playoff game, Zlatan Ibrahimovic is not coming to your crappy field. All right, Portland, you got lucky. You got 18 minutes of God. That's all you get. 
Um, but quite honestly, there's no reason. And that was probably the other reason, you know, despite the fact that uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic was off in Russia for the World Cup, that would have been another reason why he never would have played in that U.S. Open Cup game. Uh, was never going to happen uh, up in Portland. And by the way, I would like to remind everybody, Portland and New England do have a, apparently the same grade of turf. I'm sure there's some differences there in terms of underlayments or anything else, but they're supposed to be almost identical. Uh, it doesn't matter. That's crappy plastic turf, and Zlatan doesn't want to play on it. And it doesn't matter whether or not the... These studies so far have proven to be inconclusive, although I think that there's more studies saying that there is a higher injury risk on turf than there is um, than the studies that say that there is no difference between turf and grass. Uh, certainly, it takes a toll on the bodies. You talk to any of these players who play on the plastic grass, and they will tell you after the game that their bodies are more sore. The pounding that they take on that field and running up and down is a lot more extreme than it is on grass. Uh, anybody who runs uh, any sort of distance on pavement and then runs any sort of distance on grass can tell you that their bodies probably feel different afterwards as well. And it, again, it doesn't really matter whether or not what the studies say. Zlatan Ibrahimovic doesn't feel comfortable on it. Siggy Schmidt, who, by the way, used to coach at Seattle, who had plastic grass, doesn't feel comfortable putting risking Zlatan Ibrahimovic on plastic turf, plastic turf that's probably better than what is up in Seattle. Siggy Schmidt doesn't trust it. All right, then there's no reason for Zlatan Ibrahimovic to be out there. And at $1.5 million, the Galaxy can absolutely afford to rest him. I think there are two more games, one in Seattle and one, one in Minnesota, uh, that would affect this game. So Zlatan doesn't have to play. And for everybody who wants to whine and complain in New England that he didn't play, uh, it's not the LA Galaxy's job to fill seats in other stadiums, and it's not, certainly not the job of the LA Galaxy to go out there and make sure that they have Zlatan Ibrahimovic on the field for every single game. That is not what they signed up for, certainly at $1.5 million per year. Uh, I think that's not what Zlatan signed up for either, and if he thinks it's any sort of detriment to his health, or the coaching staff thinks it's any sort of risk to his health, he should not play. So New England, for all the people who are upset out there, um, tell your tell your owners to get a real stadium um, with real turf, a real soccer-specific stadium with real grass in it, and Zlatan will come play in your city. I would imagine that he will be playing in Philadelphia. So it's not the travel. It's not the distance. It's none of those things. Zlatan Ibrahimovic will play if you have grass, and if you don't, you don't get Zlatan. It's that simple. Um, and, by the way, the Galaxy as a team are under absolutely zero obligation to tell New England they're not going to bring, be bringing their leading goal scorer. Why would you do that? I mean, we argue about the injury report all the time, and it's something that I think that the league should mandate because teams are going to use that to a competitive advantage. And you can bet your dollar, bet your bottom dollar, that the Galaxy s sat there and said, let's not say anything about Zlatan Ibrahimovic because if they don't have... I want New England wasting time preparing for Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Again, I am one of those big guys who says it should be mandated that injury reports be put out so that way teams and fans understand what is going on in terms of injuries. But in terms of just general lineups, in terms of just putting players out there whenever you want to switch something up, that is goes to competitive advantage as far as I'm concerned. When you're hiding an injury, that's one thing. In this case, competitive advantage says you're not going to tell anybody Zlatan's not on the plane. In fact, you might dress some tall dude up in a Zlatan uniform and walk him through the airport just to make sure that you could see uh, that people think that Zlatan's coming because you want the other team. You want the opponent game planning for Zlatan Ibrahimovic, the Galaxy's leading scorer. But if you're New England and you're a New England fan, how are you complaining that the Galaxy's most dangerous player is not on the field? I used to say this all the time. It would be great. It was always great when you had Thierry Henry show up for New York and they would play against David Beckham and all those things would happen. It would always be great. But if you're a fan, you have to be sitting there going, I hope Thierry Henry decides that traveling to Los Angeles is too far because you want the Galaxy to have the best chance of winning. And granted, when the Galaxy were really good, it didn't matter who was out there. You thought they had a chance to win. But especially right now, if you're a Galaxy fan, you don't care who's on the other team. In fact, you would like that best person on the other team to never show up again, and that would be just fine. Uh, but apparently... That's not what happened, or at least that's not the mindset that's going on in New England right now. And again, I'm sure it's not the diehard fans. They could probably care less whether Zlatan would be here, although it's like it's nice to see him. That's great. But again, you want something to change? Then get real grass, get a soccer-specific stadium, and Zlatan Ibrahimovic, God himself, will go ahead and show up at your place, and he will play soccer. That's it. Bottom line. End of story. I feel bad for some people who decided to spend all that money to go and see this, but the Galaxy are under no obligation to tell people when he's going to play and when he's not. 
Um, that's certainly not the case at, at home games for the LA Galaxy. You never know whether Zlatan's going to play or not, and most of the time he plays, so you can expect him in the lineup. But guess what? There are going to be some times when maybe he's tired. Maybe there's a stretch of games that are too close to each other for him to play. Maybe that all makes sense. He's a competitor. I'm sure he'd like to play, but he's certainly not going to end his career if he thinks that the turf is a dangerous place to be. So Minnesota, I would I, I would pump the brakes on uh, on expecting Zlatan to come to your place in Seattle. You know what? Don't even bother. Uh, if your only reason is to see Zlatan, I'm guessing that's not happening. So again, a, a completely, as far as I'm concerned, 100% correct decision. Uh, when you do that, you get uh, a, a, a Siggy Schmidt again attempting to give you a 3-5-2. We kept asking ourselves what this Galaxy team was look like. What is their plan? How are they going to attack things this season? And it took it a while. It took everybody a while to figure out how this was going to go, how this was going to happen, um, where the Galaxy's best formation was, where everybody's best formation is. Um, and the Galaxy have settled on that. So you know what the answer is now, okay? The Galaxy's best formation, the one that they're going to play in, regardless if they have the two strikers that they really created for it, which was Ola Kamara and, uh, and Zlatan Ibrahimovic, they're going to play in a 3-5-2. They're certainly going to attack that way, and they'll certainly drop back to a 4-4-2 whenever they defend, and possibly even a 5-3-2 whenever they defend. So you can get those wingbacks sort of come. And, and Siggy Schmidt has talked about how it's a lopsided 3-5-2, and that is because Chris Pontius isn't tasked with as much defense as Ashley Cole is, so it leans to the right, so to speak. Um, but that's what you see in this. So you put Roman Alessandrini up top. You put Ola Kamara up top. Underneath them, which, by the way, I think is his best position he's ever going to play for the LA Galaxy, is Giovanni Dos Santos in the 10 spot. Now, is he a true playmaker from there? No. But he can get into the offense. This is why this is so perfect. Uh, and, of course, I had a uh, had somebody claim that I'm preaching propaganda by saying that everybody wants Giovanni Dos Santos to gone. You're right. Not everybody. Everybody excluding the one person who complained that they still wanted to keep Giovanni Dos Santos. That's great. Go ahead. And and like I said before a million times, uh, if for the Galaxy to be successful, he needs to be successful because they're spending $6 million on him, probably $6.5 million next year. Um, and so whatever they can get out of him right now is is what you, you got to squeeze that stone until it gives you blood. All right? That's the only thing you can do. Uh, so Giovanni Dos Santos in that 10 spot underneath Alessandrini, underneath Kamara, allows him to get into the offensive side and do as much defense as he wants, which is none. Um, and it doesn't necessarily hurt the Galaxy when he plays none. Uh, you had Ashley Cole, who certainly slots into that midfield. You had Jonathan Dos Santos and Perry Kitchen, who sit in front of the back line, the back four, the back three, the back five, however you want to say it. They're back there as well. And then Chris Pontius, who was given free range to run up on the right-hand side as far as he wants to go and get back on defense whenever he has to. So a lot of work for Chris Pontius in this. Uh, you had Jorgen Shelvick, Michael Ciani, and Dave Romney on the back line as well with Ashley Cole again shifting back and forth between the midfield and that left side. Uh, David Bingham in goal. So that's your starting lineup. Uh, on the bench, you had Vom Stieg, Emmanuel Botang, Tomas Hilliard Arce, uh, Bajo Husidic, Shannon, Shannon Williams, I got to say it right, Shannon Williams, uh, Daniel Steres, and Ari Lassiter. Those were your substitutes. That was your starting lineup. Now, Everything goes pear-shaped very quickly in this game. Uh, you had the red card to uh, Christian Pania, and it was an interesting one. This comes in the 23rd minute. Roman Alessandrini receives a yellow card after he absolutely creamed uh, Christian Pania. And quite honestly, uh, he deserved the yellow card. But this was, and this isn't going to be my first time criticizing a referee, so strap in, boys and girls. Uh, Robert Sabiga was in charge of being the center of uh, the center official in this game, and he did a pretty poor job of calling fouls that were definitely fouls, and then leaving enough amb ambiguity in some of the calls that it started getting chippy very early. Uh, Roman Alessandrini, frustrated by the fact that he did not get a foul called, which was certainly a foul, just moments before this, goes and fouls uh, Pania from behind. Now, Pania when he's on the ground, is very upset about Roman Alessandrini's foul, and I could certainly understand that, but Pania reacts by kicking Alessandrini while he's on the ground. The kickout, as they call it, uh, two kickouts, as a matter of fact. Apparently, Pania hasn't been watching any of the World Cup and forgot that he played in Major League Soccer because VAR was easily able to see that one. Easy call. I don't even know if they went to a video review on it. It was obvious, and I think one of the sideline officials saw it. 
clear red card, and Pania gets gone. Now, this is good news and bad news for the Galaxy. I'm going to tell you why it was good news. Clearly, you're playing a man up, you're going to be able to conserve some energy, and you should be able to break down a New England defense um, down at home and have a good chance at winning this game, right? Wrong. Not for the LA Galaxy, and there's a reason for this, and we're going to get into it. But what happens is, uh, Pania gets red-carded, the LA Galaxy go up a man. Um, they are now tasked with playing possession soccer, and boys and girls, the LA Galaxy right now in 2018 cannot play possession soccer. They're not good enough in possession. They turn the ball over, and when they turn the ball over, they do it in poor positions. And when they do it in poor position, it leads to goals. And whenever they really are poor, they don't get back enough on defense because they're coasting and they're not thinking about it. And that certainly allows somebody like Diego Fagundes to victimize that defense, okay? Now, you see uh, Sacido come in and Perry Kitchen does a good job of standing him up. You can see that. Uh, but Jonathan Dos Santos, who was involved in the play, stops pressuring the ball. Now, Kitchen stands up Saicedo at the top of the box or a couple yards outside of it. Jonathan Dos Santos is only about two yards from behind on Saicedo, and he could easily pressure that ball from behind as well and possibly cause Saicedo to pass the ball before he's ready. But with Jonathan Dos Santos not pressuring the ball, with him not getting involved in the play, Dave Romney, after uh, Barry Kitchen gets deked a little bit, Dave Romney steps up in order to stop Sacido from coming all the way over. Fagundes is then able to spring in behind uh, Romney, and Chris Pontius does a poor job of covering the run on that outside side. And Pontius is there. He's able to cover that run. He's on the wrong side of the ball. It still might not matter. The other problem is Ashley Cole's a good yard and a half, two yards behind everybody else, and he keeps Fagundes on side. So all those things sort of break down, but it does highlight something, and it's something that I saw multiple times throughout this game, and it happened right through the middle, and this is a problem with Giovanni Dos Santos being in that center position, is that Giovanni Dos Santos will hand off his defensive responsibility to his brother almost immediately. The ball gets pushed through the center circle. Giovanni Dos Santos gets almost out of position. He doesn't really chase and pursue that hard because, again, he chooses and picks when he wants to play defense. So he doesn't pressure the ball. He doesn't do the small things like try to force him to one side, uh, and then that passes off to Jonathan Dos Santos. And in this game, I would say that Jonathan Dos Santos, while usually a workhorse, seemed like he was more tired because he was passing off his defensive responsibility to Perry Kitchen. There's personal responsibility on the soccer field, and that's what you're not seeing from the LA Galaxy. There's too many handoffs. There's too many, that guy will pick me up. That guy is going to get my guy. And personal responsibility on the field means that whenever somebody runs by you, that it's your guy, it's your job to take them, and you're not going to pass that off to the next guy that comes down. And you do it positionally. You're not going to pull yourself out of position in order to do it, but you can't simply just hand off. And in this goal, granted, it was probably a mistake more by Pontius and Romney on this, and certainly by Kitchen in order to get deked, but the Galaxy had enough people behind the ball. This shouldn't have been a problem. And if Jonathan Dos Santos pressures that ball from behind, yes, he risks giving a foul, but the pressure coming from the back side at least means that Saicedo isn't sitting there thinking that he has tons of time all right and so if you pressure you might force that ball in a different direction than the give and go sort of uh, game that was played between Saicedo and Fagundes and leads to the goal now as we move on there's there's more here still to to break down and certainly the defense is going to get victimized again you already know that if you watch the game okay uh it's here's the deal though the Galaxy also figured some things out in that second, in in the second part of the first half, all right, and you saw that with Jorgen Shelvik. Um, Shelvik gets the ball in a good position and storms through the middle of the field. Quite honestly, the Galaxy need more of this. Uh, his penetration through midfield, his ability to break through a couple lines and really take the space that was given to him has the effect of collapsing the defense. They're overloading because they already have an extra man on attack, and they're overloading because Shelvik isn't a guy who should be picked up and marked coming through there, and so it's a little it's a little confusing for New England about who goes. What ends up happening is the, the right-hand side of their defense actually collapses upon Shelvik, and Shelvik is able to kick the ball out to Ashley Cole. Now, if you give it Ashley Cole time, he's certainly going to be a guy who can victimize you with a good cross. Now, the other part about this, and Chris Pontius certainly gets... A ton of credit for finishing off the half volley. A great strike with his right foot. Uh, buries it into the side netting. Uh, Turner, the goalkeeper for New England, did not move a muscle. Didn't blink. Didn't move. Knew the ball was in the back of the net before, uh, but right as Chris Pontius struck it. Um, and that was a great goal. But you also got to give credit. Ramon Alessandrini, 
uh, and Ola Kamara both making smart runs, one to each post, sucking the defense in. That allowed the space for Chris Pontius to come in late. And it was a late-arriving Chris Pontius, which will be different from his game-winning goal, which is where he was positioned up higher on the field in the later stages of the game. So you see Pontius making the smart run, but it really is the space opened up by Roman Alessandrini and, of course, Ola Kamara and the fact that Ashley Cole knows that that space is going to be opened up and Chris Pontius buries that goal. So that's that's good. That's what you wanted to see. That's, that's, that's what you wanted to happen. But again, the Galaxy cannot play possession soccer. They are better on the counterattack. They are better in quick strikes. And if you look at the goal, it's Shelvick marching down. It's one pass to Cole. It's a cross, and it's a finish. It's direct. And the Galaxy are a direct team. You can get angry about that. You can do whatever you want. I'll tell you who else is a, is a direct team. France is a direct team. Granted, they can also play with possession. But, right, but you, can, you can do stuff working on counterattacks, you can be successful, and you certainly see that around Major League Soccer of teams that are able to get you one way. And the Galaxy can get you one way right now. That's probably why they've had more struggle at home than they should have. That's probably why against two very bad teams they struggled is, again, because their game is not possession-based. And if you look at the stats throughout the Galaxy's uh, season so far, they're rarely in the positive in, in terms of they rarely have the majority of the possession, or it's very close to even. Most of the times they're being out-possessed, but that's okay for the Galaxy. Um, that's how it works. You look at the Columbus game, I think it might have been 60-40 or, or somewhere around there in terms of possession. Again, Siggy Schmidt talked about in that game, conceding possession. Uh, in order to to win and open things up on the counterattack. Now, this wasn't a counterattack, but it's a direct move. And Shelvick weren't running through the center, dishing to Ashley Cole. Cole's cross to Chris Pontius certainly means that the Galaxy are a direct team. You can see it, and whenever you go through the rest of the goals the Galaxy scored, they're all direct um, and maybe a little bit, yep, lucky. So, um, again, it's, it's interesting when you look at the goals that are conceded because... If you look at Jonathan Dos Santos, he doesn't get pressure on the ball. So you you go into halftime, um, excuse me, you go into uh, to right before halftime, which is even more frustrating than probably conceding on the other side of halftime. But you go in, you look at this, you get Sacido, uh running in behind Michael Ciani. You have Jonathan Dos Santos who does a average job of trying to track down the ball on the right-hand side. The ball gets sprayed out. It is going to be his job to chase out wide. With Chris Pontius pushing forward, with Ashley Cole pushing forward, Jonathan Dos Santos and Perry Kitchen need to be able to fill in on those wings in order to make it a four-man or a five-man back line whenever it comes to playing defense. So the ball that gets sprayed out to Andrew Farrell is one that Jonathan Dos Santos is going to have to chase every single game. He doesn't chase it. Farrell has a ton of time on the ball. He puts in a good cross, and Michael Ciani apparently decides to stop running, uh, to stop covering. I don't know if he thought that somebody else had his man, but he was running right next to him. And then when, as soon as the cross comes in, he sort of decides that, it, that that's not something that he'd like to go ahead and chase after. So Sacido gets his first goal, I believe, as a New England Revolution player. Uh, he puts it in uh, the goal, and all of a sudden the Rebs have a lead. Again, 2-1 before the half. Uh, the Galaxy up a man now since the 23rd minute have been able to score one goal but have conceded twice. New England did not score a goal until they went down a man. All right, so embarrassing stuff, and it's embarrassing for the defense. But certainly the culprit is there. You've seen who the biggest risk is. And the, and the honest question is, do you bring Daniel Stairs in for Michael Ciani? Um, or do you bring, uh, you know, Tomas Hilliard Arce? Hilliard Arce, you know, has a ton of hype behind him so is it somebody who you want to take a look at now and put in that position or are you afraid to change things right now because the galaxy do our defense right now is hit and miss they have six shutouts on the year and of course they have games where i think they're now at 11 games where they've given up two goals or more um so it's it's sort of back and forth it's hit and miss new england is a good team in terms of their offensive ability siggy schmidt was well aware of that i'm sure the defense was as well but again Michael Ciani is a problem here. 74th minute, he gets beat on a ball in behind that Teal Bunbury gets unlucky with. He redirects it and it bounces off the post. David Bingham almost gets uh, almost gets caught there. Um, that would have been unfortunate for him. Uh, 79th minute, you have a collapsing defense on one side where David Bingham has to come out. Um, you know, and Ashley Cole ends up clearing the ball off the line. So you have all these things. And again, we're into the 80th minute now. 
you're looking at the Galaxy, they're losing 2-1 to one after having a man advantage. Again, because they can't play direct, because New England is back behind the ball. There's no counter-attacking ability, because New England doesn't want to press forward, and when they do press forward, they're getting easy goals. I mean, it's almost like the defense was lulled to sleep on the night. Um, and then you get the wonderful, uh, the, the best thing that happened in this in this game. It is the best thing that happened in this game only. It doesn't revolve outside of this game, all right? So if you go outside of this game, there is no evolution of this being a good thing. But Ashley Cole uh, is frustrated by a handball that wasn't called, which again, Sabiga doing things, not making the easy calls, not making the right calls, not understanding that there was a huge advantage being gained by being able to handle that ball and continue past Ashley Cole. Um, does not make a call, and Ashley Cole ends up taking the guy down um, for a yellow card. Now, it, was it the smartest thing that Ashley Cole could have done? No, it was not. Uh, maybe you could trust, if you're Ashley Cole, which would be very difficult, and we'll certainly talk about this in a little bit, maybe you trust VAR, that if they score on this goal, that they'll call it back because it was a clear and obvious handball uh, that got called, and so you don't need to take the the second yellow card. But Ashley Cole certainly does take the second yellow card. In fact, it might have been a red card all on its own. Um, It was certainly a cynical foul. But Ashley Cole gets sent off. It's the best thing that could have happened for the Galaxy because what it allowed New England to do is relax a little bit, thinking they were even, 10v10, not sitting back so much, and it opened up space for the Galaxy who were able to play direct. Now that directness eventually ends up leading to uh, to a corner kick. Ima Boateng now in the game, uh, part of that. And so you get Roman Alessandrini, who gets two assists on the, um, on the night. Uh, Roman Alessandrini puts in a great corner kick to the back post, 90 second, 90 plus two, so 90 minutes plus two in a stoppage time. Dave Romney on the back post scores the goal. But again, this all comes from playing direct. It all comes from the ability of the Galaxy to court counterattack, to make string a couple good passes, dangerous balls, long balls, however you want to put it. Um, that really is their bread and butter. And guess what? Teams can be very successful with this. It's just... It's tough whenever a team's going to sit behind the ball on you. And with the Galaxy's attacking offensive talent, um, you could understand why teams may want to sit back and defend against the Galaxy. So the worst teams that the Galaxy play, those like the D.C. United, whenever they play D.C. or San Jose, they're able to sit back and frustrate the Galaxy. um, And then they can run on the counterattack, and the Galaxy are susceptible on counterattacks. Quite honestly, the Galaxy are susceptible at all times. But it's really when they turn over balls, and Siggy Schmidt has preached about it many, many times. Uh, It's turning over balls, and then it's the reaction to that turnover and guys being pulled out of position that really end up getting them. So I don't know about you, but I'm at home. I'm watching it on TV. I'm like, wow, the Galaxy are somehow going to scrape a point out of this game. Hey, that's 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 somewhat of a minor win. After not being ahead at all in this game at any point, uh, the Galaxy going into stoppage time finally get the game tying goal. There you go. Thank you very much. And then, you know, 60 seconds later, uh, a ball goes. Uh, Roman Alessandrini puts a hopeful ball towards, I, I believe, Giovanni Dos Santos. I don't know if Gio did it on purpose. I don't think he did, but let's just pretend that Giovanni Dos Santos thought it would be a great idea to swing and miss on a ball that would somehow fool a New England defender and allow Chris Pontius, who looked as surprised as anybody, along with Giovanni Dos Santos, but surprised as anybody to run into the box and hit a ball that scores in the third minute to stop a time the Galaxy take the lead and eventually win the game. That's what you get from this Galaxy game, all right? Nothing good came out of it in terms of what you saw on the field. It was not anything they ever want to emulate besides the fact that they were going and playing and not giving up. And certainly you're going to get the coach talking about, you know, the not giving up attitude, which is great. That's what you want. The Galaxy now uh, extend their unbeaten streak to six. You'll remember they had an eight-game unbeaten streak in 2017. They went 4-0-4 in that particular unbeaten streak. The Galaxy, I believe, are now 3-0-3 in their six-game unbeaten streak, looking to extend it to seven games. Um, Siggy Schmidt, after the game, says, and I quote, it was definitely a wild finish. I mean, early in the season, we had so many of these go against us. Over the time of a season, it sort of evens up a little bit. I don't think it was our best game overall at times. I thought we squandered some things, but we came up with good defensive plays in the second half. Ashley Cole save off the line. David Bigham made a save to his right off of Juan Aguadello. Those were big for us, and it gave us an opportunity to win the game at the end. Schmidt talks about the team's recent run of good form, and he says, we're starting to learn how to play with each other. Uh, That's the important thing. I mean, obviously we missed Latan Ibrahimovic today because our game has been cut to him a little bit, and he's obviously had a big impact when you look at his goals. 
The guys are understanding how to play with him, so we had to adjust a little bit today. Overall, the understanding within the team has been good, and today we ended up making a couple of changes in the second half formation-wise where the guys were playing, and the guys adjusted really well to that. <clears throat> I already gave you uh, Siggy Schmidt's view on the turf, um, and he talks about the two stoppage time goals. He says, obviously, the first one was a set piece. We had felt there was some space at the back post, and we were able to take advantage of that on a set piece. Uh, Dave Romney finished it well. The second goal was probably where we were almost saying, okay, that's good. You know, we'll be happy with a the tie. Then the second goal came out of nowhere. It caught them maybe when they made the 2-2. Uh, made the Can't say what they were thinking, but maybe they were thinking, hey, let's just get after it. Let's just get after it again. Let's win this game. We had the game. They were just a little bit open for a moment in the back, and we were able to take advantage of it. They're a dangerous team. I think the improvements that New England has made and how they're playing under Brad Friedel has been very good. And finally, Siggy Schmidt on the toughness of the team. Our fight's been there. We haven't given up on each other even through the tough times at the beginning of the year, and now we're standing up to get rewarded for it. We also lost a pretty great man to our organization about a week ago, Ken Revisa. Uh, who worked with us as sports psychologist and is a guy the guys really liked. Tonight's game we sort of dedicated to him, and I know he would have been very happy to see us continue to work and not give up. Uh, Ken Revisa uh, was the reason the Galaxy were wearing the black armband uh, and, and who passed away, I believe, last week. And so the Galaxy dedicating that game and now the win to uh, to Ken. So uh, so good stuff from the Galaxy there all around. Uh, they really, they, you know, they get the three points. Uh, again, I'll take. I'll say this. They get the three points. They get the three points. They run. They run as quickly as they can to the airport. Uh, they hop on the plane, hoping nobody will steal those three points back from them, and they get back to Los Angeles. The Galaxy traveled on Sunday to get back to Los Angeles. No word on where they w whether they watched the World Cup uh, from the airplane or on the plane or however it was, uh, but they did, uh, of course, travel back. They had Monday off, and the Galaxy will resume training ahead of traveling for, um, excuse me, ahead of traveling to Philadelphia on Thursday, July 19th. So that's when they'll travel and then they'll train in Philadelphia, sort of the same schedule as they had uh, headed to New England. So that's where you get the LA Galaxy. Some interesting stuff, though. The LA Galaxy, as I mentioned, are, are now unbeaten in their previous six MLS contests, going 3-0-3 in those games. The Galaxy have also earned a result in six of their last eight MLS road contests, going 3-2-3 during that span, combining for more results than they had in their previous 13 Away games. The result snapped a seven-game unbeaten streak for the New England Revolution. Uh, this year on the road, the Galaxy are now 3-3-3 in MLS competition. All-time, the Galaxy are 19-16-7 against New England Revolution. Uh, mid midfielder Chris Pontius scored his fourth and fifth goals of the season. Here's the fun stat. Pontius now has either a goal or an assist in his previous seven games for the Galaxy, more than he had in his previous 32 games in Major League Soccer. And then, of course, Ashley Cole recorded his sixth assist of the season, the most of any Galaxy player this year. So your leader now, Ashley Cole, instead of Ima Boateng. Uh, but the Galaxy doing well in that terms. I'll, tell the, I'll say this about Chris Pontius. Uh, he's probably way outplaying his stats right now. That's okay. You, you don't want to criticize a guy for playing out of his mind, and he's feeling it, and he's feeling it in a position that, you know, maybe was a little bit of an adjustment for him, but he's feeling it. He's doing well. So you don't want to sit there and criticize anything he's doing, but, I mean, you would expect that in the law of averages that he would regress backwards uh, on this. And that's okay because you have guys like Zlatan Ibrahimovic, Ola Kamara, Roman Alessandrini, who should be able to pick up the tide on all this stuff. The LA Galaxy now 8-7-4 on the year, 28 points. If you go back to 2017, they were 6-9-4 on the season um, for 22 points, so now six points clear. And, by the way, their goal differential of plus four is now, let's see, if I do my math correctly, that's a minus five plus four. That means there is now a nine goal differential in terms of, uh, of the 2017 versus 2018. Minus four, excuse me, minus five in 2017 and plus four right now in terms of the Galaxy scoring in 2018. Uh, I'll also say that the Galaxy's position and table approved as well. The LA Galaxy now at one of their better clips, uh, now in sixth place in the Western Conference, 10th place 
in the supporter shield. That sixth place good enough for a playoff spot right now. Um, so something the Galaxy have wanted and wanted to obtain. Uh, they are now in a position at 1.47 points per game. Uh, they are in sixth position with Real Salt Lake, just above them at 1.45 points per game, having played one more game. So if you're going by points per game, the Galaxy should actually be above Real Salt Lake as well. Um, and then there is a separation between the Portland Timbers, Sporting Kansas City, LAFC, and FC Dallas in terms of the overall points per game that you're seeing. So LA Galaxy at 1.47 points per game. Uh, you have the Portland Timbers at 1.76, Sporting Kansas City at 1.65, LAFC at 1.84, and of course FC Dallas uh, leading the Western Conference right now at 2.0 points per game. I'll also tell you that the points per game average that you're seeing right now, uh, the LA Galaxy are sitting just barely under their overall average. So if you go over the history of the franchise, their overall average uh, is 1.53 points per game, something that they finished at in 20, uh, 20, 2015. Uh, if you look at 2017, they were 0.94 points per game at the end of the year. Uh, the average 1.53, the LA Galaxy at 1.47 right now in Major League Soccer. If you go through and look at the history of the Galaxy, and obviously going over my charts, and if you want to see these charts, uh, <coughs> you're lucky. I put them up on the website, cornerofthegalaxy.com. Go look at our LA Galaxy by the numbers, and all the charts are there. I give some explanations on some. Some I just leave there for you, so that way you can take a uh, quick perusal through there and see what sort of truths you can find with this LA Galaxy team. But I'll tell you right now, the LA Galaxy sitting at 28 points through 19 games. The average through 19 games for the LA Galaxy is 28.78. So just sitting barely under that average, uh, which is something that you couldn't say in 2017 where they were 22 points through 19 games. Um, for comparison-wise, uh, 2009, 2005, and 2015 all had 28, point, or 28 points through 19 games. Uh, the LA Galaxy is still doing better than the 2012 MLS Cup winning side um, and also doing uh, tied right now with 2005. Um, the rest of everything looks like it's there. But there are 11 seasons. The 2018 Galaxy are now 11 seasons that they're better than or equal to. So if you go back in 22 seasons, the LA Galaxy are better than half of those seasons at this point, which is not something you could have said all that long ago. If you look at all their trend lines, you're still seeing that the Galaxy are very much a middle-of-the-road LA Galaxy team. That also seems to translate right now as their 10th in the supporter shield to a middle-of-the-road middle team uh, in Major League Soccer. But sitting at 10th puts them in the upper 50%, and that's not something you could say about the Galaxy all that long ago. Um, there was a, another slight improvement with the LA Galaxy's designated player. Uh, numbers in terms of how many minutes that they have played. And if you add Giovanni Dos Santos, Jonathan Dos Santos, and Roman Alessandrini together, they have now played in just slightly over 45.4% of the total available minutes for the Galaxy this year. Giovanni Dos Santos at 29.1%, Jonathan Dos Santos at 41.6%, Roman Alessandrini at 65.4%. If you're talking about the MVPs, the, are the VIPs, I should really say, Ola Kamara at 78.4% of the total minutes played, and Zlatan Ibrahimovic 67.6%. You add them all together, and all five of those players account for have played 56.0% of the available minutes for the LA Galaxy. Again, we can take a look at the opponents and where the opponents rank. Uh, right now, the LA Galaxy have a have opponent. Their opponents have averaged um, a, a, an average points per game of one point five zero. So, if you take all the opponents to, opponents together, their points per game or their average points per game is one point five zero. If you look at the wins or the teams that the Galaxy have beat, that number drops a little bit to one point three seven as the average for the teams that the Galaxy have beat. Uh, they lost to teams with an average of almost near two, one point eight five. So the teams the Galaxy have lost against, again, are still some of the best teams in the league. In fact, the worst team the Galaxy lost to is the Houston Dynamo. And I told you that they should have beat the Houston Dynamo. I told you they were better than them, and I still stand by that right now. 1.44 is where the Galaxy have beaten. They've drawn. Now their draws are just ridiculous because, uh, again, the Galaxy can't play against bad teams, apparently. This will certainly fall under the... Drops to the level of their opponent, but with the draws, the three draws the Galaxy have had, their average opponent's points per game is 1.16 points per game. So that's what you get right now going through all the charts. Again, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com, and you can find some analysis there, and uh, I'll, of course, give you as much uh, information as, as we can about this. Um, I thought it was funny. So Ashley Cole, we talk about it. The, the Galaxy are going to have to adjust 
for Ashley Cole being red carded and being suspended for Philadelphia. They're also going to lose Perry Kitchen to yellow card accumulation. We've been waiting for that for a while. But we have more humor from the Ashley Cole camp. Uh, you'll remember that whenever there was a particular game, and I forget exactly which one it is, but Ashley Cole said uh, that he would pay the fines for uh, for David Bingham, uh, Galaxy goalkeeper. And he said, Ash, you going to cover me? He's like, yeah, I'll pay your fines. We, we went over that. We had the audio for it and everything. You can go back and listen to that on one of our uh, previous podcasts. But Ashley Cole apparently not just uh, not just content to just pay David Bingham's fines. Uh, Mike Petke, head coach for Real Salt Lake, uh, was kicked out of a game for Real Salt Lake and afterwards uh, talked to some uh, some people, uh, talked to some post-game people. And unedited, Real Salt Lake put out the fines, or excuse me, put out the 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 statement from Mike Petke. I think he was doing a, a TV hit or a radio hit or something like that. But he puts it out there. Uh, and obviously we know Mike Petke, if you remember, hand him out, Trey, uh, whenever they he had made copies of fouls um, saying that referees, well, well, Petke went on another referee rant. Uh, it was a great one. It was stuff I honestly don't disagree with, by the way. And if you go to at Jay Gessman on Twitter, you can see some of the points that I bring up with Petke's, um, you know, just his critis- criticism of, of VAR, of officials, and why you can't just get straight answers from officials and why the league, you know, all the league ever says is don't criticize our officials and everybody gets fined, but nothing ever seems to be happening and there's no accountability. At least that's what it says. Well, Ashley Cole went on Twitter and said, and and, I, and he goes out and he says, uh, I'll pay for Mike Petke's fines. So Ashley Cole now paying for Mike Petke's fines as well, which I thought was uh, was excellent, uh, quite honestly. Ashley Cole is uh, is is sometimes a, a superhero without a cause, but apparently his cause is going to be uh, worried about the refereeing. And again, Ashley Cole has a legitimate gripe. He just doesn't have a gripe that could have ever been fixed by tackling somebody from behind. If he lets that play go, if they score on it, then you could certainly look and say that that would be a VAR reviewable play. However... <laughs> Are you going to trust Major League Soccer referees to get that call right? I will tell you this, that if it was World Cup, they would have got the call right because I think the VAR and the usage of VAR in the World Cup was outstanding. Uh, And all the VAR haters, that's fine. And by the way, anybody who calls it VAR um, gets excluded from the podcast from now on. All right? It's VAR. It's not not VAR. You're not trying to put it together. For for what reason? Just VAR. Video video Assistant Referee. That's what it stands for. V-A-R. That's what everybody's been calling it. Now there seems to be this, this swell of support behind VAR, and it's it's stupid and it's ridiculous. All right? So stop that. If your friend says it, you need to not be their friend anymore. Anyway, so uh, I'm not sure. I thought the VAR use in World Cup was great. Um, I'm not sure that you can ever trust VAR in Major League Soccer because you have Major League Soccer referees trying to interpret VAR. Instead, whenever you had uh, a room full of, uh, of, of seasoned veterans, uh, guys who w- weren't even that familiar with VAR headed into the World Cup, um, they did a great job uh, over there in the World Cup. So that's what you see. But the Galaxy are going to have to now account in Philadelphia without Ashley Cole, without uh, Perry Kitchen, and that pre- presents some problems. Uh, do you bring in uh, Tomas Hilliard Arce? Do you bring him in? Is he the answer for that? And nobody's probably going to be able to play that position as good as Ashley Cole, but you can certainly slide Dave Romney into it. In fact, he's played it before. They did it in Vancouver. So you're going to look at that, and then you're probably going to get Servando Carrasco in for Perry Kitchen. Listen, I'll tell you, this was the yellow card to pick up. The game against Philadelphia is the second one in two weeks. It's a long way to go. The Galaxy can probably milk a point out of this. Um, it's Again, I thought a point was a, would be great in New England. So now that you've done that, now you've done Philadelphia Union currently sitting in seventh place with 1.26 points per game, uh, a 7-9-3 record, the Galaxy have a chance to probably even beat this team without those guys, but you're going to ha- get Zlatan Ibrahimovic back. But what are you going to lose on the defensive side? Because you're losing two important pieces of the defense. And while I think that Perry Kitchen gets put on the island by himself, uh, certainly whenever he's paired with Jonathan Dos Santos, uh, you're going to expect, you know, Servando Carrasco to basically step in there and be able to play the same as Perry Kitchen. You're not going to get the same exact performance there. Although I think Servando Carrasco can play the position. He's just not as good as Perry Kitchen, and I think some of you would think that Perry Kitchen isn't that good. So that's what you're going to lose there. Then you're losing Ashley Cole, your assist machine with six assists, uh, and you're going to put in Dave Romney, who can put in assists, but is definitely going to be more defensive-minded, and is certainly not going to be able to press forward in the attack as much as Ashley Cole does. 
So you're looking at a more defensive lineup against Philadelphia Union. Defensive lineups for the Galaxy tend not to work that well. You are getting Zlatan Ibrahimovic back. He'll be able to pair with Ola Kamara and Ramon Alessandrini and Zlatan Ibrahimovic. And I'm sure I already said that. Giovanni Dos Santos, um, Chris Pontius can also play a role in there. Ima Boateng can play a role in there as well. Uh, And maybe Pontius has to come off the bench. I know that sounds crazy, but the guy's been playing a ton of minutes and it wouldn't be out of line to think that. So, I mean, these are the problems you're going to have going against Philadelphia, but you will get everybody back, um, you know, barring any injuries against LAFC for the short short turnaround. Again, Galaxy play on Saturday. We'll play again on Thursday against LAFC at Bank California Stadium before hosting Orlando City on Sunday. So short games, short turnarounds, lots of rotation. You're going to you're going to rest people on, on mandatory because they're going to have red cards. So it'll be interesting to see how the Galaxy end up handling that. Uh, Not a ton of updates in terms of what is going on in the transfer window. Um, There isn't a ton of stuff to say out there. Uh, There's not a lot of rumors hitting the fan right now. The Jeff Cameron one is the one that's still out there. Um, We'll see if anything else comes because of that, if anything else comes forward because of uh, of possibly any moves the Galaxy want to make, uh, I'm certainly you know pressing people and trying to figure out where where the Galaxy are leaning and where they're focused. I'll tell you again, the focus remains on the defense. It seems like that's where they're going to spend the money. That's probably the only place they're going to spend the money. It might be multiple people at that defensive spot, but right now it seems like there's a focus on the defense and who will go and who will stay is completely unknown. Uh, we talked about Ramon Alessandrini and the possibility of him being traded because he's a tradable asset. I think that's still on the table, um, but that's not saying I'm not ta- out here saying that that's imminent. Um, it's just a possibility. And it's certainly a possibility that nobody wanted to wave me off from. So that's what you have right now. The galaxy doing well. Um, you should feel more confident if you're the Galaxy, despite the fact that the game on, on Saturday night was a circus more than it was anything like a, uh, you know, a beatdown of the Columbus crew. But the Galaxy feel like and they look like they're starting to figure out how to play with each other. You bring Zlatan Ibrahimovic back into the fold against Philadelphia, and I think you're going to get an LA Galaxy team that's focused on winning on the road again. I think this team thinks that they can win on the road and that they want to win on the road. Um the Galaxy now have our, like I said, 3-3-3 three, three, and three on the road, 12 points. They have 16 points at home. So they're almost as good on the road as they are at home. That says, one, that they're not very good at home, and two, that they have been playing pretty well on the road. Uh, 3-0-2 and two in their last five games. Again, six in the Western Conference. This Galaxy team right now is feeling a little surge. And you had an eight-game unbeaten streak in 2017 that certainly fueled some optimism and so you have to be a little bit of ca- a little bit cautious of that optimism right now. Um, what are your eyes telling you about the LA Galaxy? Where do you think they fit? Where do they sit? Um, how are they playing? And it's clear to me that the Galaxy are still missing a pretty big defensive position there. Um, and so whatever the Galaxy can do to make that defensive uh, backline more stout, uh, you know, more dangerous, uh, more something to fear because teams right now are victimizing them, and I think Philadelphia could do it as well, and we'll certainly get a chance to see that uh, on Saturday as the LA Galaxy travel to Philadelphia. Again, that game, 4 p.m. Pacific time, game on Spectrum Sportsnet and Spectrum Deportes. All right, I think that about does it for us tonight. I'm going to end it a little bit shorter tonight. I have family in town. My son's in town, so I'd like to go hang out with him for a little bit. Uh, We, of course, will have coverage from everything. I think Larry Morgan, COG's very own Larry Morgan, who was on our podcast on Thursday night, will be out at training on Tuesday, so look for something to come out of training on Tuesday or Wednesday, and we'll certainly share that with you. Um, And then we'll have our live show on Thursday night. So all those things lining up nicely for the LA Galaxy's weekend. Uh, Again, you get to enjoy your, you got to enjoy your weekend with a win, which is always nice. And now the LA Galaxy will be coming in. Um, Somebody asked me my overall thoughts on Giovanni Dos Santos and Jonathan Dos Santos uh, after this last game. And I will tell you that I think both of them are probably playing in their preferred positions right now. I think that you're probably seeing the most out of them, especially Giovanni Dos Santos that you're going to get. And that's a good thing because the performances haven't been all that bad. Um, But in, again, response to the person who says that I'm preaching propaganda about everybody wanting Giovanni Dos Santos gone. I think lots of people want Giovanni Dos Santos gone. It may not be everyone. You're right. Maybe I was generalizing the everyone part of that. Maybe there are one or two people who think that Giovanni Dos Santos is a vital part to this team. Uh, I do not believe that. I believe that they will win because of him, because if he's good enough, then they will win. 
Um, but he's never going to be worth the $6 million that you pay him. Um, and he's certainly not going to be worth probably the $6.5 million that you're going to pay him next year. Uh, Jonathan Dos Santos is a different equation, although I was very disappointed in his play this last game. I thought that he switched off too many times. I thought that he that he gifted defensive responsibility to anybody else who wanted to take it and didn't want to take it himself, um, and that he was overly overall ineffective in terms of what he was trying to do and imprint on the game. I think Giovanni Dos Santos disappeared for a long portion of this game as well, and that shouldn't surprise anybody either. So, uh, you know, all in all, I think that they've been playing some of their better soccer, both the Dos Santos brothers and certainly coming back from the World Cup Maybe the adjustment is still being made, uh, but you need to see a ton from both of them because they both, I felt, uh, at least personally, they dogged it for the first half of the season, and the LA Galaxy are in a hole because of that, and they're going to have to dig their ways out. But again, sixth place in the Western Conference, uh, currently in a, in, a, in a playoff position, and I've gotten lots of messages that say, yeah, but if you add four more points to that, which would have been the wins over DC United and San Jose, the ones that they gifted back to each of those clubs, that that would have put you at 32 points. You would have been one point out of third place. All right, you would have been three points out of second place. You would have been six points out of first place in the Western Conference, and you'd currently be sitting in fourth position in a, in a lock-solid Western Conference playoff spot. I'll tell you this, for all the people who say, yeah, but those four points, um, I'll tell you right now, the Galaxy are not a fourth place in the Western Conference team. Um, at least it hasn't seemed that way. Uh, not to this point, and it's not something that I'm willing to concede. I've said that they're sixth and fifth, maybe the fourth, but if you look at that and say where they actually deserve to be right now is probably where they're at. Uh, they're better. I, they're better than Houston Dino. They're better than Vancouver Whitecaps. They're better than Minnesota, Seattle, Colorado, and San Jose. That all makes sense to me. I think they're better than Real Salt Lake. Uh, I think that they are very even with the Portland Timbers. So right in that fourth place, uh, maybe that makes some sense. Uh, Sporting Kansas City. Yeah, uh, that this SKC seems like they're a better team than the Galaxy. LAFC, that's going to be a good one to see. So coming up on Thursday, next Thursday, we'll actually get to see that. Is LAFC better? I'll tell you this. Up to this point, LAFC has played the better soccer. All right. Um, now they'll have an Open Cup game to play in. So will Philadelphia, by the way. Philadelphia will have to play in an Open Cup game. And they just came off a friendly over the weekend as well. So all those things sort of leading to the fact that the Philadelphia Union could be a little more tired than maybe you would expect them to be and maybe a chance and an opening for the LA Galaxy coming in there on Saturday. All right. Again, we'll have a live show on Thursday that will get you ready for the Saturday night's game. Uh, game uh, July 21st at 4 p.m. Pacific time against the Philadelphia Union, Spectrum Sportsnet, and Spectrum Deportes, where you can find it. All right. Again, Mr. Kevin Baxter on his way back to the United States. At least I imagine he is. I haven't heard from him in a little while, so I'll check in with him and make sure. Uh, but hopefully next Monday we will be back in, uh, in our regularly scheduled time slot. Mr. Baxter will be well enough to join us. And if not, you'll get me and maybe I can find somebody else to uh, fill in with me on Monday nights as well. All right. I think that about does it. I don't think there's anything else we want to get to. Uh, certainly, like I said, a little bit shorter show than we're used to. But hey, that's okay. We got all your information and I'm sure you're sick of hearing from me. Anyway, all right, let's see. Uh, if you're looking for me on Twitter, at Jay Guessman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and, of course, at Galaxy Podcast, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can find all of our podcasts, written articles, all of our news information, all that stuff is right there, cornerofthegalaxy.com, including all of our numbers and charts up there and our latest uh, LA Galaxy by the numbers. All right, uh, again, live show on Thursday, game on Saturday, game on Thursday, game on Sunday. It's going to get busy again here in the short term. For the LA Galaxy. Uh, for Mr. Kevin Baxter, who is uh, ill and I think still in Russia, but making his way back, I'm Josh Gessman. You've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy from the Box podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. And for all of your independent LA Galaxy news, discussion, and entertainment, including this podcast, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Fans, thanks for listening. We ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Arajo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, Goodbye, everybody.